Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Labelled Podcast. My name is Lucy, and this is my co-host, Alice. Hi, everybody, and uh, that is Lucy doing her serious hospital radio voice again, (laughs) uh, rather than her podcasting on a Friday night with a drink voice like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a force of habit. I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> you need to get the plum, plum out your mouth and the stick out your ass, and yeah. then we'll have another go. <laughs> Lucy-goosey, Lucy-goosey. <laughs> How are you, Alice? All right? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. It's been a, a labelled full day we've been mm-hmm. doing lots of exciting things planning lots of really exciting content talking about all the celebrities we're going to have on which is exciting are you name dropping on purpose just in case they hear this and go oh, <laughs> the, the celebrities we want are you just going to name I, drop I'm, them? I was going to <laughs> because they're not going to hear this but I am a, and, and I don't want to get people's hopes up to be like oh yeah you know we're going to have fucking Winona Ryder on the podcast, I Not... can, I can do a few accents, so we maybe we can <laughs> pretend. You're gonna you're gonna pretend to be Winona Ryder. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how's your your week's been? All right though. So are you sick of seeing my face? Not that not that sick. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean. Yeah. And besides, you know, I don't see so well, so I, <laughs> I have to appreciate what I can see when I see it. Very true. Very true. So, Alice, do you want to tell everybody about our guest today? It's really yeah. Exciting. Well, speaking of podcasts, we've got a fellow podcaster on the show with us this week. It's really exciting, guys. A big round of applause. You know, me and Lucy for uh, Amy Amante. Yeah! <laughs> International, all the way from Canada. Yeah. We big, can we say we're big in Canada yet, or um, have we got a way? Yeah. Oh what? yeah, you're huge here. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Huge. We'll send you a signed photograph. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. I'll I'll hang it in my office. Canada is is still my like when things in the uk eventually just really all hit the fad canada is uh certainly my husband's first choice for places to run to so it'd be helpful if we can get established out there so well, uh, <laughs> we hear that a lot especially with all the um the political unravelings in the united states i get a lot of phone calls from friends down there that say so what's it like to live in Canada and how do I get across the border? Well, I wish I could tell you it was that simple, but yeah, no, it's, it's fine. I've got family in New Zealand. I'm hoping that that'll, that'll get me through there. There, uh, New Zealand's in awesome shape. So yeah. that's yeah, exactly, exactly. No, there's no uh, Rona virus. We're all right there with the Rona. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and I think I think Jacinta Ardern should just be made queen of the world. I think she is amazing. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And it's the land of the hobbits, isn't it? Well, and have you ever seen a kakapo? It is it is a parrot owl, and it it is it is technically it's a parrot, but it looks kind it's kind of flat faced like an owl, and right. they're I don't I don't think they're flying birds, and they just they're a bit like. Not in looks like dodos, but in the way that, you know, the reason all the dodos are dead is because we turned up and they were just so friendly and so, like, had never seen people before that we Dinner. just picked. Yeah. Kakapos <laughs> are like that, basically. But it's, they live in New Zealand. I think they're, um like, native only to New Zealand. Are they brightly coloured like parrots? Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, bright green. I don't think you're allowed to, but I would have one as a pet <laughs> if I lived there. <laughs> so... Thank you, David Attenborough. <laughs> if I would, I would recommend to anybody who's interested in um, kakapos and other animals, the BBC series Last Chance to See with Stephen Fry and Mark Howardine. They yeah. go and see uh, kakapos and a kakapo tries to mate with Stephen Fry's head. Oh, oh that sounds like a great episode. Is it described? <laughs> I, I imagine so, because it's BBC. Yeah, um, I've got it. I've got it on DVD. It's t- probably 10 years old now, so I don't know. But Interesting. it's definitely worth looking up. Mm. I watch a lot of BBC stuff here in Canada, too. I'm a big, I'm a big Coronation Street fan. Yes! I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I do this. If you if you ladies have any uh, thoughts on how I get myself on the show Coronation Street, uh, I, can't, I have these like this fantasy of writing letters and being like, hello, you have no blind representation on your show um, uh, or Canadian representation. <laughs> I'm an actor in Canada that lives with blindness. Can I be on your show? Dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? Like I just, it's my, my, my dream fantasies of being on Coronation Street. I don't know what I would do, but even if I just walked into the corner store and bought some biscuits, I'd be great. Yeah, I've been on the set. I don't know how accessible it would be because it's all cobblestone. So. Yeah, that's okay. I would find a way. <laughs> if you want it hard enough, you find a way. <laughs> she will crawl down that's the corner. Right. She's got her hands that's and right. knees if she has to. I went to the set um, just before they moved sets because they moved to a yeah. bigger set. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, no, when I, I went, it was like 1994, so yeah. it's well, probably went, somewhere different now. I went in 1994, and then I went again before they moved, because uh, yeah. I'm that sad. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the the tour guides, because obviously they do have a character who is in a wheelchair, and I was like, can I ask you something? Like, how does the woman in the wheelchair get over, like, across the road? And he was like, you see those two planks over there? The planks of wood. <laughs> And I went, yeah, he goes, we put them on the floor and she just wheels over them because otherwise she can't because of the cobbled street. Yeah. I said, she said, he said, oh, failing that, she um, she just stands on the side of the road, like on the pavement, on a flat bit of pavement and does a scene from the pavement. So if she's walking about, she just rolls over two planks of wood. and they. I was going to say, they're, they yeah. seem to be very strategic about... Yeah. what types of like where she's located and what types of scenes she's in and so i oh. knew right away that that's all about an access yeah. thing yeah. right like you know congratulations for having representation mm-hmm. in a regular like a regular recurring character which like yeah. almost never happens um but let, let, well, let's just boost up her airtime just a little bit here <laughs> yeah i know yeah i know it's uh, but but still I a good wanna... start 
I'm a massive fan of Coronation Street, and I, like you, also want to be on Coronation Street. So if anybody from Coronation Street is listening to this, uh, get in touch. I'll even buy my own ticket to come out. She's got a from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long flight, but I'm I'm game. <laughs> yeah. No, I was I was in the UK once, mm. um, in in in, in London once mm. for, um, a, like two days, um, on my way. So we have this these tour packages in Canada. Maybe you've got them in the UK too, called Kentucky tours. You familiar? Um, and they're they're technically they're technically they they have different types of tours, but they're technically for people that are aged like eighteen to thirty five, so like a real party crowd. Oh, and okay. you get on a bus and you go through Europe or any country, but they they package these, mm. um, and you stay in um like Kentucky villages, which are like little tiny huts, or you can stay in tents, or you can um have a more expensive package and stay in hotels or whatever. Right. Um, and I was flying to the to London staying there a couple of days and then heading off on a bus trip that started like you know like heading over through the through the French channel and then through mm -hmm. so it was a 16 day tour that my brother and I did together when I was 23 so my whole point in the story was is that I actually was a sighted person when I visited the UK and I'm no longer a sighted person so it would be a very interesting trip to yeah. go back yeah. and maybe connect with you fine folks yeah. but to just yeah to just go back and explore the city and see how different I mean I know it's going to be very different just from an experiential perspective but um I just I love to travel and so part of coronavirus for me is a feeling trapped you know like I don't get to go I don't get to do anything not even a weekend trip in my own backyard yeah. you know yeah no it's interesting I we went to my husband and I before we were married our first ever like proper holiday anywhere was we went to LA together mm -hmm. and then we went back as part of our honeymoon seven eight years later uh, and my sight condition is degenerative so there's definitely been some change in my sight during that time and it is strange how you know even losing a little bit of my sight in those few years I can absolutely remember walking around and thinking, I, it, this didn't look like this, but it, yeah, you know, it was it was the same. But as you say, your experience of it and the way that you kind of process things visually, and and I think the impact that vision or lack of vision has just on the kind of the atmosphere of a place as mm -hmm. well can can be really, um, yeah, changed quite a lot. It's really interesting for me to hear that that sort of perspective because obviously i've i have sight so and i've never really rub it in why don't you <laughs> <laughs> um, Just it, it is it is quite it is quite i mean i obviously take things like that for granted i suppose like them looking differently not because somebody's like built something in the way or whatever but just purely because you you know your your sight has changed it's something that, that is quite eye-opening for me so no it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I I think about it in a way of like you know if you're you're friends with somebody and you see them when you're like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then say you don't see them for ten years, and you see them again and you know it's the same person, but they've changed visually, like 
they've changed yeah. notes because like they've become an adult. <laughs> no, because they've gone from 12 to 22. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> they look different because they've aged, but they're still identifiable as the same person. But yeah, there is something. Them. Yeah. Yeah. But there are things that are fundamentally different about them, even if it's not necessarily stuff that you could kind of explain. Mm-hmm. I, I for me that's what it was like it's the you know it's the same person but they've grown and everything about them has grown or mm-hmm. it's the same place but it's it seems so for me like LA because of I think the change in my sight went from being this bright really bright sunny place to just it wasn't grey and overcast I mean you know LA smog and all of that but but just walking around it it wasn't as sunshine blue sky beach as it was the first time it the colors were just a bit more muted Uh, that's interesting I don't know if you find this Alice with your site um I find if people change something about themselves so like I have a friend who has this gorgeous you know red hair Hmm. and wears these really thick rimmed black glasses yeah. And for me, um, she's got very, very white skin, very like porcelain skin. So for me, there's a lot of really great contrast there. And uh, and it's long, red, curly hair, right? So there's That's lots of amazing. It. <laughs> I, I swear to God, if I could choose my own look, that would be it. Anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, a little in love with her humanity and, and her as a person. But beside all of that, um, the minute somebody changes something, so like, you know, one year decides to chop her hair all off and dye it platinum yeah. blonde and get a pair of white rimmed glasses i can no longer tell who that person is so even when people get new glasses they get a new haircut they get a tan because my sight is a little bit like looking through swiss cheese it's got a bunch of holes okay. in it right. and so if i'm the kind of person who can only see like the top corner of your forehead that curly red hair is going to stand out in that patch. And then, of course, you go change it to blonde. And I go, wait, who are you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it could be it could be my own parent, you know, like wow. somebody I, I know all the time. Or even voices. I remember being someplace on transit and somebody said, hey, Amy, how are you? And I had no idea who they were. And it was somebody that I had grown up with my entire life. But I, in for for context, I would never have seen. They live in they live in a different province than I do, and mm. we're visiting, and we happen to bump into each other, which was so random to begin with. But the fact that I would never have bumped into this person, I couldn't recognize who they were just by voice. That must be quite disorientating, Amy, for you. Isn't Sometimes it, it can yeah. be, yeah. Uh, so how 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 you know how do you deal with that? Do you, once they've said, "Oh yeah, I've had a haircut and I've dyed my hair blonde." Like, how do you go, okay, you know, obviously, Honestly, I don't want to be your friend, but just because you tied your hair and like, cut it all off. Why you know? the fuck would you do that? Are you just messing with me? <laughs> yeah. You know, don't know this about me. I, You know, I, I want people to live their own lives and do their thing and, yeah. and whatever. And that's all good. So I, I, but usually I try and sort of pick on them with a little bit of humor. Uh-huh. Um, I would I would rather do that than I think the thing one of my things that I hate and I absolutely understand why people do it but when people come up to me and go oh hi Alice it's such and such mm. and I'm like don't tell me who you are like it might take me a second to work out who you are but if somebody comes up and goes oh hi Alice it's Kate I'm like 
fuck off, Kate. I'm I don't care anymore. Blind. I can see you. Like... Yeah, just, something about it really rubs me up the wrong way. I think it's no. just that presumption before they've even asked, can, you know, uh, That's can so you see interesting. me? But I hate that, it. That to me, it's like when people say to me, um, when I say, oh, they'll say, what did you do at the weekend? And I say, oh, I went for a walk. And they go, uh-huh. there are some people who will like to point out about the fact, not I don't spend most of my time with them, but they will go, well, you didn't though, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, well, in my head I did, but I didn't physically well, like put both feet on the floor and move them. Uh, if that's what you what mean. are you going to say? I went for a sit. Yeah, yeah I went well, for a I mean, people say or... that to blind people all the time when I say something yeah. like, okay, well, I'll see you later. And they go, yeah. really? And yeah. it's like, you don't have to change your, I want, yes, I watch television. Thank you very much. Um, and I actually get a little, fr- uh, not for us. I don't, I don't want to pick on anybody too seriously, but I have a lot of guide dog friends who, when they say in their, their emails, you know, um, when they sign off, it's like from Amy and Rover. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah. like, you know, or woof, woof, Rover says woof, woof. And I go, yeah, yeah okay. You haven't heard the start of the podcast, have you? <laughs> Start of our, like our intro is Lucy going, Hi, it's Lucy, and that's Alice. And I go, Hi, it's Alice. And then my guide dog barks, and I go, That's Lola. Okay, <laughs> but if your guide dog barks, that's a different thing, right? Because yeah, your dog is actually it. speaking. Yeah, exactly. That's like when your baby's <laughs> crying in the background, and you're like, Oh, yeah, that's the baby. I'm just ignoring them right now. It's all good, you know, whatever. <laughs> Or the telephone rings or the doorbell goes off and it's like, oh, that's the Amazon package at my door. But I just, I I guess for me, it's there's so many people that do that. And I think to myself, mm. I, like I do a lot of advocacy work. So I think about what it looks like when like mayor and council sees your letter about, you know, I can't get access to affordable housing from so-and-so and my dog Rover. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't seem to fit for me. I mean, let's um, face Let's face it, though, everybody's got that weird aunt who signs the Christmas card from Derek and Jean and their dog, Margaret. Yes. I mean, I don't know who would call a dog Margaret. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, yeah, it's really nice that. Thank you for signing your Christmas card from the dog to me. This is why I say I don't like to pick on it too much, but it's just <laughs> one of those things that I always notice, hmm. like very staunchly about emails that come from people who are blind or partially sighted. And then I ask myself, why? Why? And I've I've thought about it. And for me, it's kind of dark, but I've been a little bit worried. Like, So I'm on the waiting list for a new guide dog. And yeah. Lola's not quite 10, but she's going to be retiring. I'm going to be replacing her. And she's going to stay with us and stuff like that. But she won't be my guide dog anymore. And so I definitely have feelings about being like, like you know Lola's in the in all the artwork and stuff for the pod it's like well if this pod goes on for 10 years like somebody's gonna figure out Alice Alice just make sure (laughs) Alice just make sure it's a black Labrador will be fine because we could just change the name at the beginning you get so much choice you get so much choice yeah I I have I have said my preferences for a black dog because more than anything yellow yellow fur will just show up show all up over everywhere. all my nice like dark jeans so. <laughs> i was there do you know what i actually thought when you said i have a preference of a black dog 
I thought <laughs> that you would want a black dog so it's more like invisible than a, a, a yellow dog. <laughs> like, you know how people wear black clothes when they're like working in theatre to hide themselves? It's a bit like, let's, let's I want to be in, I want to be incognito. I'm hoping <laughs> my if I have a black Labrador, people won't notice the fucking great white harness <laughs> that she's wearing. <laughs> Listen, it's well, now what you need. Now what you need is a white dog. You need a dog that's pure white so that it blends in and nobody really notices. Yeah. Put an invisibility cloak on it. (laughs) Here's a great, here's a great gag. I'm always, you know, like I, I wear my hat of educator of, of, um, advocate of consultant of artist, um, and blind comes either before or after all of those things. Right. And, um, I will be working on an exhibition that that plays a little bit like an arts installation exhibition for next year. Um, hopefully, anyway, it's got to get some funding, but um, that plays a little bit on some of the themes of blindness. And so one of the things I'm going to do is is use a harness exa- almost exactly like what you're talking about. And the exhibition is is about sort of it'll, it'll look like free floating objects. Mm-hmm. And it's really about. The, the amount of stuff that I have to take with me to function as a blind person. Um, so, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, an umbrella is a common tool, but if you have a white cane and an umbrella or a guide dog and an umbrella, oh, and then you have to use your phone to like get the bus schedule. Oh, and then you have to use like, you know, your GPS to do this. And like, it all adds up, right? Yeah. Um, but one of the, the fun gags that I, that I am thinking about in my own life, and I'm constantly constantly looking at gags that are sort of a way to not make fun of blindness, but just to get people to laugh with us instead of at us. Yeah. Is, um, and and in disability in general, and it's a fine line, right? Is to have somebody walking with just a harness and with no dog. (laughs) And just to see this, this is like, like, like the gag shows on TV, right? Just to see what people do when you okay okay Rover go forward forward okay and I don't know I don't know what your commands are for for um uh, for for potty time but we we've got several depending on the guy busy busy or yeah, whatever busy, busy is, what is that we, what you use so yeah. it's like you stand there with a harness with no dog and you go okay busy busy, busy, busy. <laughs> and then you mind picking up the poop and then you, it's like, and that just sounds brilliant just to see what other people would do. A yeah. friend of mine and I, there's a really busy corner where I lived in downtown. And uh, we keep playing with this idea of having um, uh, uh, like, you know, somebody filming us. But it's it's a it's a four a four way street corner, northeast, southwest and a big square. And it's constantly busy. There's huge numbers of people walking in all directions. And she's got a guide dog. I use a white cane. And so we were going to play this joke on people where we keep missing each other crossing, but we're calling out for each other. (laughs) And then, you know, she stops on like the north corner and I stop on the south corner and I go, Marco. And she goes, Paula. (laughs) Just to see if other people would be like, oh, hmm, I wonder if the two of them are trying to find Like, I just, I mean, a part of me just wants to laugh at the entire scenario of how, how people are so involved in their own lives yeah. that yeah. they just don't pay attention to what's going on and no. i just thought what a great little youtube skit that would be i i i, I am a genuine believer that humor is a, is a great bomb to the disability experience mm. like if i didn't have a sense of humor about any of this 
I would yeah. probably really, really struggle because there are days sometimes where all I want to do, you think, you think about the situations I get in sometimes yeah. and you think this is an absolutely awful state of affairs and you think, well, you've got two options. You either laugh or cry and almost always laughing yeah. helps so much with, the, with the, being able to deal with it and process it. My, my sense of humour is very, very dark. Yes. Um, when I was a teenager... I very sadly lost about six friends in one school term because oh, Jesus their, yeah, their disability was, they, they, they you know, they, their bodies just gave up sadly. And it's, a, it's yeah. one of the most horrific things about my disability that I cannot bear. And I can remember saying to one of my school friends who is still alive, I just basically turned to her and I said, well, you know, um, our school reunions are just going to be me and you flicking peanuts at one another from across the room. And everybody else was like, oh, what? But it's true. Like, but I was like, this is exactly like, you know, it's, I think it's, you have to develop that thick skin and that, and yes. that ability to laugh at the whole situation. Because it's awful. I think it's also really important to laugh ableism because yeah. oh. I think it helps the people who are uh, it's sort of you know what's what I'm looking for the people who are, are are enacting the ableism you laugh at them you point it points out the ridiculousness yeah. of what they're doing you know even like Amy said I over the holidays we were round at a family member's house and she started going, telling us what was on the dinner table and she was like oh you can all I, I don't know why I'm telling you you can all see and I went no you can't yeah. and, and she, she went oh oh and she was and, and my brother just laughed and I was like honestly she was like oh I'm so sorry I was, I'm taking the piss yeah like yeah I honestly don't like you you are just being a human and you weren't just talking to me you were talking to the other four sighted people in the room and be like, there's the carrots. And it, it's just something that we do. And if you point out the ridiculousness of people's overreaction, sometimes it does bring them up and make them go, well, hold on. Well, let's, let's maybe rethink that for the next time. Mm. Yeah. It's a bit like, I've, I don't know if, if any of you two have seen the, that some TikTokers, um, I don't understand TikTok. I'm far too old. Uh, yeah, but um, some TikTokers were saying that Helen Keller like didn't exist. Oh, I did see that, and I was yeah. I thought I could I could either get really angry about this, or I could just laugh at you because can you hear what you're saying to us? Can you yeah, hear exactly, yourself? Exactly, because you are you are being ridiculous. Like just shut up. That sounds like a like a Trump supporter. Yeah, hey, yeah, it does, doesn't yeah. it? That's exactly what I thought. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, I, yeah, so I think laughing at ableism, ableists, what's the, what's the, Both. what's the, pro, what's the, what's the descriptive word for a group of ableists? Um, um, jackasses? <laughs> jack, yeah. Yeah, a jackass of ableists. Douchebags? Um, yeah, I was, I, I was trying to think of something like a murder of crows, like an ignorance of ableists. Sometimes it's just, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but sometimes it's just at the end of the day, 
when I think about, and, and this hasn't happened so much during COVID times because we're all sort of in this state of isolation, but um, the microaggressions that happen, just like on the city bus, you know, it takes me probably two hours to commute one way anywhere I need to go. Um, and, and I'm going, getting on a bus, a conventional bus, what we call a sea bus, which is like a little ferry, um, a sky train, which is a train that runs on a high pillar to the sky. I mean, I, yeah, okay. So like I'm moving all the all these different Do you live in a steampunk book? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Listen, I'm waiting for the uh, quantum physics beam me up Scotty machine yeah. um, from yes. Star Trek because that would just like save my life in terms of oh, you commuting see, time. I've said that to my husband before and he's like, yeah, but you know what the the thing about those things is that actually it destroys the original you and transports entirely new particles and i'm like well maybe they can fix all the fucked up bits that's and right. it'll be that's exactly fine. What I'm thinking so they either <laughs> what so they take away some more of my eyesight good luck um, <laughs> but I, I so every time i get on transit people always ask me how i lost my oh so you're blind oh so how did that yeah. happen as if it's any of their fucking business. Oh uh, yeah, I know. Um, but they, but they ask you that. Like, it wouldn't be so bad if it was one person a day. But it's every time somebody gets up from the seat beside me and a new person sits there. So on one two-hour bus commute, you could be asked this question eight times. You know. Yeah. And and so at the end of a day, when when you talk about the the lived experience of disability and all of the other sort of, I don't know, barriers, I guess. But whether they're small barriers or big barriers, but there's a series of them every day, right? Mm -hmm. There's a series of things we do um, to just get from one place to another, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And all of those microaggressions can add up to be like the death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. And so if you don't have the ability to just sit back and like piss your pants laughing <laughs> at some of this kind of shit, yeah. you would literally drive yourself into a state of like down that rabbit hole and I ain't coming out. No. Um, and that's a reality of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one uh, one recommendation I can make is the great thing about having a guide dog is usually nobody sits next to me ah. because I'm like, oh no, sorry, you can't, you can't sit there. My dog's under the seat, and they're like, oh, oh, so, I'm so sorry. Ah. Like they've just insulted my mother or something, and I'm like, no, it's fine. You just have to leave now. <laughs> I seem to be a magnet for the kind of people that you think. Okay, you're making me you're making me feel slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> like they will seek me out and sit themselves down next to me. And I don't know whether it's because they think, oh, she can't run off or go and sit with her and say hello. I don't know I don't know what it is, but my god. They do this thing where you're like, Oh, that poor person with the disability. Yeah. I bet you mm -hmm. nobody's talked to them for a week. Yeah. Oh, I should really just say hello. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, Rah! Alice, did I ever tell you the story where I was in the supermarket um, around Christmas time about five or six years ago where a Salvation Army lady, so the Salvation Army, like, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to describe the Salvation Army to Amy, but... um. They're, oh, we've got it. They ring yeah. the bell. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. they're international... Um, so okay, they're a Christian organization, yeah. support uh, vulnerable homeless people mostly. Yeah. 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 So she stood with a bucket, shaking a bucket in the supermarket, collecting money for Christmas appeal or whatever. And, you know, and I'm like, fair enough, you know. 
that's absolutely admirable. Thank you very much. And she came over to me and loudly said, very slowly, would you like a colouring book? <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, fucking hell. And I, just went, I just went, I'm 23. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, really? I was like, if you've got like a gin going, I might have one of them. But um, yeah, it's, wow. it's like people, usually people who shake buckets they don't quite know what to do with themselves. And you think, yeah, all right, but I'm not going to sit here and unlike tell you what is wrong with me just to like calm your Make curiosity you yeah. yeah calm your curiosity i'm sure i've said this before but i lie I, I just yeah i tell mad fantastical stories like i was involved in a chemical accident and that's what happened to my site or you know i was experimented on and uh, oh, i just woke up one morning and i couldn't see anything it's a mystery and just shit like that because like it's it doesn't it doesn't work so well now that i live in a small town <laughs> everybody knows you yeah. they're like oh it's that blind girl that can't keep her story straight yeah that's right <laughs> but it you know it i mean i don't know where this fascination of having to needing to know your medical history like just because you're scanning my shopping at the supermarket like they're going oh what happened and I'm like, nothing happened. I was, I was born. Say, I was born. I was born. That's it. I was, that, that, no, I wasn't abducted by aliens. I didn't fall over awkwardly. I didn't have a tree fall on my legs. Just basically, I was born like this. And it, it wasn't quite as we expected, but it's all right. And I'm thinking, why do you, why do you lady behind the checkout, need to know that information? Just mind your own business. Because it's not like I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, ask me about my disability, is it? Like, you know. Maybe we need to have t-shirts that just say, you know, I came out of the womb like this or yeah. <laughs> whatever. Leave me alone. Yeah. There's, there's a merchandise idea, Alice. Labeled <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Fuck off and leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> Stop but, uh, asking. Yeah, no, it's, um, it is, it's, like a, it's like a morbid fascination, isn't it? Like... I don't know whether it came from like Victorian times or or what. Of like, oh, they're a bit, they're a bit different. People are still. They don't want to admit this. This is like, like systemic racism mm. a bit, right? Like, there's there's this deep ingrained thing in 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 humans, of course, that disability. Well, dis, I mean, I, I you know, if you go back to caveman days, disability would have meant death. Yeah, um, but you know, like there's there's all of these negative stigmas, and I think even today, where we think we're all elevated human beings, and you know, we're accepting of everybody, and then you say shit like, you know, were you born that way, or you know, like stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it and it just, I think, I I read this article once. Oh yes, I read an article. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um. About uh, the the that blindness was the most feared disability amongst tabs. Do you guys use the term tab? No, no? it's not what Ta I'm familiar uh, with. TAB here in in Vancouver, where I am in Canada, TAB is temporarily able-bodied. Ooh, um, because the I truth is, like is that. that nobody yeah. is guaranteed to have an able body their entire life. You know, 
Um, so shit happens, I you really get hit like by bus or have a stroke or whatever. So yeah. tabs are our friends that are that don't have a disability. Um, so, but I, they are genuinely afraid. The number one fear is is sight loss. It's the number one fear of tabs mm. um, in terms of disability. So when you think about it, like I, the article said something like. You know, could you could you consider you could you consider how much your life would change if you one you know had to have your knee amputated or your leg amputated below the knee? And people would mostly go, yeah, okay, you know, I'd have to tailor my pants or I'd have to use crutches or maybe a wheelchair, but you know, I could still go to the movie theater, I could still go out for dinner, you know, I could still drive my car. So they justify oh, that. Same thing with hearing loss. Okay, well, like I could still see my friends and maybe I'd have to get a hearing aid or whatever. But the sight loss one is the big one. It's like you cannot imagine how your life is going to change when you don't see stuff. You know, I can't mm. cook for myself. I can't pick my own clothes. I can't go shopping. I can't drive. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And of course, all of those, those of us who live with sight loss know that that's not true. Um, that there are ways of, of doing things, but... It is a, it's a fear of people. And I think they look at those of us with disabilities and kind of want to gauge whether we have a decent life just in case it happens to them. Mm. You know, I like, thought of it like that. That's, yeah, that's really I, interesting. I, I just, I get this sense sometimes when people are talking to me that they they really, you know, there are, there are some people that are just jerks and they're, they're just, you know, they, they don't know what end is what, but there are some people where I just feel like they're, they're so, they're so worried about like how did this happen to you and could it happen to me uh, yeah you know? I, I, now you say it, amy i think there is there is legs to that theory because it's like oh if i can stay away from whatever happened to, you know yeah. whatever happened to her, my learning moment yeah it's the it's the there but for the grace of god go i isn't yeah. it you know bit. i have a i have a few friends who have like They've acquired their disability, so they've had a stroke or something's happened to them, which means yep. they lose mobility or some, something like that. And the amount of people that have turned around to me and said, I, I really don't know how you do it. And, and I sort of say, well, I was born like this, so this is my normal. I hate that word, my normal. Yeah. Um, so I have never known any different. And yeah, all right. So it may look like I struggled to get in and out of bed or, you know, struggle to do certain tasks. But I manage them because I know I've got a knack of doing them yep. independently. And they, they're they just like, I don't know how you do it. But I have to, I forgive them saying things like that. Because yep. I know at the time when they're trying to get their head around everything, it's just like a bomb's gone off in their head and they're trying to like, piece everything back together again aren't they? in a way that you know they're never going to get that mobility back in some cases well and it's i mean we talked about this in my uh episode of the podcast that we did really early on um you know my sight condition is degenerative mm. um but it's pretty stable and actually i've got a decent amount of central vision uh my detailed vision's not great my peripheral vision is non-existent um but that sounds like an rp it is yeah it's bang on the money <laughs> uh-huh. give that woman a washing machine <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's a i said somebody asked me before what it was and i explained what it what i had and she said oh that's um is that rp and i said yeah and she said oh yes that's a popular one <laughs> <laughs> ching 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> 
Top I was like, oh, great. I'm the hipster of sight loss. Yeah. <laughs> Again, but, but, you're still, but you're still not the number one. So no. that's true. Um, and so, yeah, um, it is the idea of losing what sight I have left to me. I mean, that does scare me. It is something that, like I said to Lucy, it's it's not something I think about very often because it is scary for me. And one of the things that is particularly difficult about thinking about it is as someone who has had sight and has had vision, I can't, in my head, I, I physically can't picture what it will be like to not see. I can no. imagine myself in situations where I can't see, but you can't, in your mind sort of prepare yourself for it in that fashion because you imagine yourself doing something you automatically see it at least it's that's my experience as somebody who has got sight and who has had sight so yeah. it's I can I I do understand that element of being scared of the not knowing and the the uncomprehending of how a person manages mm -hmm. the the issue is the sort of the fetishization and the stigmatization of it of people going oh well you know well how do you do that that's weird and rather than going you know I would much rather somebody came up to me and said I'm interested to know you know what do you have do you struggle when you make yourself a cup of coffee and it's like I wouldn't say I struggle I stick my fingers in the hot water to make sure I know where it is but yeah you know it's it, I wouldn't call it a struggle but you do learn a, the ways around things and I think for tabs as you beautifully put it it's my new favorite thing yeah, I think we can we adopt that is that okay can we oh please please I feel like we need to have labeled and then like tabled or something <laughs> there's something there oh I yeah. like it yeah well, Oh, here we go, where we invite able-bodied people to ask questions to us about... Oh, our... fuck, yes! Yes! yes. Oh, oh, my God, I fucking love it! A great show here in Canada called You Can't Ask That. Um, and it's a half-hour show, and they get people with disabilities together in in um, in sort of their in their group. So they'll get a bunch of people who are blind or partially sighted. They'll get some people with mobility disabilities. They'll get some people with facial differences. And they'll look at cue cards um, and it, it'll say something like, what's wrong with your face? Right? Like, but the show's yeah, called yeah. You Can't Ask That. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, some of them say things like, you know, how do you have sex? And it's like, well, first of all, that's none of your business. Uh, and second of all, but it's all of the questions that that people are so dying to ask. Um, and then you the questions people really want to ask, but yeah, don't. That's I, exactly I... it. A few years ago, I used to do a Twitter thing, like a Twitter Q&A that was like, ask ask Lucy. And I was like, you can basically ask me anything. And, and everybody's yeah. like, anything. I was like, literally, any. I am prepared to answer your questions. If yeah. it stop you asking that stupid question in general. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of somebody who might really be upset when you yeah, ask them. Exactly. I mean, I think there's legs with that. That's podcast yeah. number two. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me be your teaching moment. Yes. I, yeah. I volunteer to be your teaching moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, especially, you know, we are we're lucky that we're kind of thick skinned enough to be able to laugh when people ask yeah. us ridiculous questions. There are people out there who 
and I think I probably was one of those people, you know, for a long time that you ask about my disability and I used to find it really hard to talk about. Yeah, it really does depend on where you are in your journey, Mm. where you are with your own level of self-confidence about who you are. And it does make it, like Lucy said, it does make a big difference whether you have a congenital disability or an acquired disability. Mm. Um, And that that makes a difference in a lot of cases to uh, how people are um maybe how quickly people are able to adjust to their new circumstances mm. yeah I, I completely agree with that amy because like yeah. i am um, like i say i've never known any difference so to me this is just like it's always been like this you know like yeah. what like people often some somebody once asked me they said if you had um if you had the opportunity to have like working legs and no cerebral yeah. pain for a day would you and then just a day would you do it and i was like no, why would I do that? I just make myself miserable because then I realize what it's not I worth really... it for a day. No, I was a like... waste of a wish. If yeah. you could do anything for a day, you talk to cats. Everybody knows <laughs> that's, that's right. What you do, that's how yeah. you spend your magic twenty-four hours. Fuck <laughs> walking. <laughs> I I always said that if I woke up in the morning and discovered I could walk, I would have. When I was a kid, I used to say I'd have the day off school. Then I'd climb a tree and then I'd go disco dancing. That was my three, like proper dancing, not just like from the elbows dancing that makes me look like my great aunt May. Hey, um, listen, what's wrong with from the elbows dancing? That's I mean, how I dance. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. But I mean, I, like, it's so embarrassing. I've got no rhythm at all. So like I go to concerts and they're like, clap your hands. And I'm like, really? Because I, I can't really get the rhythm. Like, I need to take my fucking eye out. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. So yeah, they were my three wishes that if I discovered, woke up and discovered I could walk, I would climb a tree, go disco dancing, and then do all that all that kind of stuff. But I like, why would you have it for a day? You'd want it like you'd want at least a lifetime guarantee that it was going to stick, wouldn't you? Really, if if they were going to have a wish where you could like make your legs work, I'd also I want see. legs that were long. We got we got to learn to flip that question back on tabs and be like. Well, if you, you, you know, if you had one day where you couldn't use your legs, what would you do with that day? Yeah. <laughs> Just see what they say. Um, I don't Netflix, know. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? And they'd be like, oh yes, a day off work. And be like, no, no, that's not what the point of this exercise yeah, is. You wake up in the morning and you have no movement, say from the waist down. How do you, how yeah. do you find, and, and you sort of have, they'd be like, oh, well, I'd spend the day in bed. What about when you need to go to the toilet? Yeah. Or what about hungry. when you want a cup of coffee? You, yeah, yeah literally. Hungry. It's I, I used to do I might have told you this story previously, Lucy. I used to do disability awareness training. And one of the things I would always do is I'd start prepping people for like, oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a couple of more minutes and then we'll I'm gonna let you have a fag break, you know, fifteen minutes, you can go go do whatever. But what we're gonna do beforehand is we're just gonna try and get in the the heads of some people with different disabilities and see what this is like and things like that. And so I'd have the blind glasses and the earmuffs and a wheelchair and stuff like that. And I'd be like, you know, give everybody a thing and be like, oh, you know, just put this on for a bit, see, experience it, what imagine what it's like to have limited sight. No, 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 no. And then I go, okay, brilliant. And now it's your fag break, but you have to stay disabled. Yeah. And you'd be there in the conference room on the third floor and the woman in the wheelchair who wanted to go downstairs and have a cigarette is like, but there's only stairs in this building. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yep. 
And it's just, it's that. You're going to have to wait there, oh. Wendy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry, love. No fag for you. <laughs> now imagine the building's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? Thing, isn't it? How are you getting out? <laughs> oh, guess you're not. Yeah. It used to bring, like where my old, in my old previous job, it used to, because they used to say, oh, um, I had to get in a lift to go up to my office, which is fine. I could, and it was like where my office was, it was like a rabbit run of getting through tight doorways and stuff. We managed it. But I said to my boss at the time, I was like, if there's a fire, what do I do? And he was like, oh, you go and sit by the window because it's a fire, like a fire trap. So an egress. And I just start, sit by the window. And like the fire alarm would go off, so I'd sit by the window. But you could see them all downstairs panicking. But like, Lucy's up there, Lucy's up there. I was like, yeah, well, you told me just to sit here. So I'm going to sit here and make you feel really guilty. Yeah. My favourite thing in my old, old job was they were like, don't use the lift. Absolutely do not use the lift if there's a fire. And I was like, what do I do if there's a fire? And they're like, get in the lift. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, Okay. Yeah. So do the thing that you've spent 10 minutes telling everybody else not to do. They yeah. volunteer yeah. as a tribute. Like, you you cry the lift. Yes. It is just, yeah. And it is a, but I quite like it when they get a moment of realisation of, um, oh, yeah, this is really quite, this is really quite difficult, isn't it? Because, like, for, for me and for Alice and for Amy, we probably, like, factor in these things without even having to think about it like we just do uh -huh. it automatically whereas these people are like oh my god i never even thought and i'm like well no but that's our superpower isn't it that's our that's our special skill set being able to think ahead for every eventuality and go oh okay. hang on a minute, that's not gonna work it does make me feel like wonder woman <laughs> i have to remember that when somebody asks me about my superpower because i, I don't know about you all but it seems to be one of the questions that gets asked of people with disabilities too. It's like, if you had a superpower and they expect me to say that I'd like to have like, you know, um, the ability to see through walls because mm. I don't have the ability to see walls at all. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, again, okay. that seems like a waste of a wish. I know that's exactly what I'm saying. So I have to remember, you know, to, I, I have this, I'm very, very, it's very hard for me to remember these great punchlines in the moment. Yeah. And so people ask me stuff and then I think, oh, you know, you know, like Lucy said this great thing once, oh, channel it, channel it, channel it. And then something blah comes out that's not funny or exciting or anything. Say, people who ask you those kinds of questions or sort of expect those kind of answers from you are the same people that have to have a sit down when you sort of point out to them, people have these ideas of mermaids being really sexy and it's like, it's a half woman, half fish, and you've got to have sex with it. Which end do you want to be the fish end? And which end do you want to be the woman end? Is it? It's like, it's like, uh, like would you rather question, isn't it? Like, like Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing about, like, uh, inspiration, porn, and things like that, when you've got a disability that I really struggle with. Like, I said, I've said to Alice, in previous a previous episode that i i am very uncomfortable with the i word like i don't like it at all um what i what i do like to do is encourage people so if they look at me and they hear my story and or you know take time to listen to me and things and they are encouraged to then do something that they would have never even thought of doing or trying something new um that maybe 
their mindset previously had stopped them, then yeah. that's fine. But to inspire them is. I it's it's the one it's the one like thing I have decided what I'm gonna say because again you know you get this all the time which is wow you're I, I I've really been inspired you're such an inspiration mm -hmm. we make fun of that in uh in disability theater all the time about inspiration porn and, and that stuff the thing I say to people and I and I say it really bluntly and it's not meant to be funny but I, what I say to them is you can call me an inspiration when I cure cancer yeah when I do something that's truly inspirational please use that word. But if you're going to call me an inspiration for tying my shoes yeah. and getting out of bed this morning, making myself my own, Oh my God, my socks match. Incredible. <laughs> you know, uh, then I, then that is, that gets to be hard. And again, it wouldn't be so hard to hear if you didn't hear it over and over and over and over and over again, like you were a two-year-old. If you heard it once in a blue moon, you go, oh, thank you very much. That's a nice compliment. You'd let it go, right? Yeah. Every time you open your mouth. And it is know. the kind of the, the, people seem to say it about the most mundane things. The things I will, I think, remember until the day I dropped dead, uh, about 18 months ago, I was doing something for work and I work in social care. I was supporting a lady whose husband had a really hideous, horrible um aggressive form of dementia um and he was on death's door and she was fighting tooth and nail to make sure that he had the care he needed funded by the nhs right up until the day that he dropped dead and we spent an hour in this meeting with a load of professionals going like basically going at her about what her husband could and couldn't do and she had to sit there you know this is a, she'd been married to the guy for 60 years or something she was not a young woman yeah and she had to listen to them tearing her husband's abilities apart and you know she already knew that she lived in a place where her uh, that she lived in a world where her husband barely remembered her and didn't remember her children and stuff like that and all i had done was take notes and prompt her to remember to mention things that we had talked about in a previous meeting because I was there to support her I had yeah. was not there to support her husband and we walked out afterwards and she said I think you're really brave I, I I'm not the one who's just had my 60 years of marriage and my husband raked over the coals in front of me for yeah. money no less and you're telling me I'm brave I don't know how she sat there for an hour yeah no I am um... I always like to follow up because I, I can kind of sense when the inspiration word is being used because they don't know what else to say. Do you know what I mean? So yes. when I sense that the reason why they're just using inspiration is just like a filler word, yeah. which is even worse than calling me an inspiration because I got out of bed and put my shoes yeah, on. You or... haven't actually inspired them. They just can't. They're just vocabulary is so shit. So they can't think of anything better. Uh, yeah. So I will often say like, well, can can I ask why? And they'll go, well, you just, well, you just are, aren't you? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, give, no give me a reason why, because I'm, because, because I just am is not really a reason. Do you know what I mean? And it, I can remember, I can remember doing, um, uh, a talk to like a, a group of sort of elderly ladies like WI or something yeah that kind of like you know jam and Jerusalem type thing 
And uh, I don't really know why I went, like why they asked me to go, but they wanted me to go and talk about my disability and my life with cerebral palsy. And so I did. And my mum did the first bit and she was talking about my birth and, you know, and how the the difficulties we had, you know, the birth was difficult because my cerebral palsy wasn't diagnosed until I was about one, sort of one, two, sort of toddling age when I wasn't toddling. And I sort of said to my mum, after she'd done a bit about the birth, I then took over and did the rest of it. And I said, well, you're cheery, aren't you, mum? Kind of bringing the mood down. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she, um, the last thing I said was like, you know, no matter what you feel, please don't call me an inspiration because it makes me feel very uncomfortable. But if I've encouraged you, then that's fair enough. And um, <laughs> this woman, not only the first words out of her mouth, she sort of grabbed hold of my hand and said, I think you're an inspiration. <laughs> and then I thought, well, well she, clearly she, first of all, clearly she's not been listening. Secondly, the next thing that came out of her mouth was, I think you may have cured my bipolar because next <laughs> time I feel sad, I'm going to think of you. And I'm like, um, oh my gosh. I don't think I am Jesus, but, uh, I mean, what the, how do I respond to, I think you've cured my bipolar? You know, if you're Jesus, can we have a conversation about like bags and pints of water that I've got sitting around and how I could have that turned into wine, please. Yes, okay. We can, we can discuss that at a later date. But I mean... Cool. How... Superhero! <laughs> but I mean, I was like, well, first of all, if I've cured your bipolar, which is an actual recognised medical condition that you can, you know, it can be sort of treated and not like cured but you know managed yeah managed it can it can, al it. it can also be life threatening of course and <laughs> i complete and i'm not saying anything about people who have bipolar i'm not denying its existence however i do not think that in my skill set as somebody with cerebral palsy up on the list of things i am able to do is cure people with mental illness because if you I know what i what I hear when you say that, Lucy, is that this person was saying to themselves, and I'm going to put it as bluntly as they were probably thinking about it, yeah. is you have it so much worse than I do yeah. that I'm not going to complain about. I'm, I'm going to be happy with my bipolar. That's exactly what I went away with. Yeah. Feeling? Yeah. Yeah, because I just thought, well, you know, my, I don't think I've got a bad life at all. In fact, I quite like my life yeah um my disability makes it for an interesting life i'm never boring at dinner parties it's it's a great you know it's a great icebreaker really if you think about it um but i never and i never ever play top trumps with p other people who've got disabilities like i don't sit with yeah. alice and go oh well you're blind well i can't walk or you know that because yeah. there's no why are you doing there's no point in doing that alice probably yeah. struggles with things that i I wouldn't struggle with, but you know, and vice versa. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. And I would never pit like one disability against another. We um, we we call that the disability hierarchy. I don't know if that's something that's familiar to to you all, um, but yeah. it's a it's a real thing. And not only not only that, but there's I don't know if you find this, but I have noticed this more and more. I, I guess the longer I've lived, and I've lived with my disability now for for 15 years officially um 
but the the longer I live with with the dis the disability and I'm and, and I'm very involved in our disability community, so I know lots of folks. Um, ableism within the disability community is like ripe and ready to pick. Yeah. Like it Aww. is, it it is there. And if you put us in the right environment, like uh, you know, your government comes to you and says. You know, we can either make education accessible or we can increase, you know, disability funding or we can put ramps in and and everybody is fighting yep. for what, their piece of the pie. Yeah. And they start to forget about the fact that there's a community here and let's look at things from a community perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very easy to be like, OK, listen, I got to get mine. Mm -hmm. um, and so the ableism in the hierarchy is a real thing. Yeah. Um, rears its ugly head every once in a while. And it's it's hard as well because for lots of people, you know, myself included, I I have always had my disability, but yeah. it didn't really impact my life a huge amount until I was in my teens. So I was more or less brought up um, non-disabled by non-disabled yeah. parents. So it took a really long time for me to get out of that headspace of going, well, there's something wrong with you if you've got a disability. Because that is the idea that is championed outside of the disability community. So yeah. there is a huge swathe of people within that community who are already just going, well, I need to get mine. And for all these other people, there's something wrong with them. We are conditioned in the disabled community to have to fight for everything tooth and nail. Yeah. And so there is, I think, an element of going, well, I'll throw anybody else under the bus because you have to. I went to a, a special, what they were called at the time, a special school. So I grew up. I think they're still called special school. Yeah. Um, I hated that term, really, because special to me makes it sound like we're all geniuses. And believe me, the people I went to school <laughs> with, some of them not geniuses at all. Um, sorry if you're listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just realised somebody from school may listen to this. Um, yeah, but my there was members of staff at school who could not fathom the reason why there was so much like teenaged angst and argy bard like just normal like normal teenage rows over silly little things but it would run a lot deeper sometimes and i think that's because we were all disabled and there was i'm not saying everybody in the disabled community hates one another but there was a lot of yeah well what's wrong with you then Oh, so you can't do this. Well, I can't do this. So that makes my life even more difficult. You know, like I'm proving a point. And mm. the member of staff was like, I, why can't you just be all understanding? And you sh haven't you got empathy? And I was like, it doesn't work like that, though, does it? Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And Well, and I think that, that one of the things, I was thinking about this the other night, one of the things about humans, and I think this is part of the, reason that there's so many you know you see all problems with racism and mm. uh you know gender prejudice and stuff is is part of fundamental humanity is there's kind of a tribalist um element to it you know yeah. we have to look after our own and look after um our patch you know in our territory because that's what we did when we lived in trees yeah. and despite the fact that that was however million years ago and despite the fact that we think oh, we've now got democracy and art and you know we've risen above that well the fact that a 
black man will still get shot in the street by the police because he's got his hands in his pockets or a disabled person will still get, oh, just for going out of the house. Yeah. I hate that just no. by the way. I hate that. <laughs> no. Because say something that backs up that, no, don't just go, no, at me because that. My problem is, is whenever I hear that noise, my dog assumes that somebody's talking to her. So yeah. she stops do- doing whatever I've asked her to. And mm-hmm. it's just like, hello, my new best friend. <laughs> she usually means I'm on the floor. Just like, no, no. <laughs> Where are you? Yeah. So um... Somebody went, no, five miles away, mom. In the artwork that I do, uh, in, in the theater work that I do, a lot of it is, is disability theater. I do some mainstream theater as well, but disability theater is fun because we get to take some of these concepts and, um, you know, like we were all just talking about the hierarchy and the pitting against each other. Um, and, a, and a good friend of mine who's a quadriplegic mm-hmm. and myself rewrote the lyrics to anything you can do, I can do better. Um, from Annie Got Your Gun, right? And we did it. We wrote it as anything you can't do, I can't do better. Yes. And we we played and we sang it. it. And of course, he's a quadriplegic. So the very, like, it's exactly, it's like, well, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you can't do this and I can't do that. And at the very end, he says to me, and of course, it all rhymed. It sounded really good. And uh, at the end, he says to me, you know, my dear sightless lass, I can't wipe my own ass. <laughs> and and you should have just heard the audience was like roaring. It's like yeah. the win. But wait a minute, he can't wipe his own butt. But yeah. he won, right? Yeah. And so it felt like this, this great victory. Um, and I, you know, so I just turned to him and I go, you win. <laughs> you know? Amy, played- you I know that like previously we talked about um how, how we we personally use humor to cope with the the, the darker side of stuff. Do you think humor is helping sort of open able-bodied people's eyes to disability? Is it is is do you, do you find that is a way of getting the message across in a in a nice neat package? You know, I think that there's probably a fine line mm. between whether it is. Uh, laughing with and versus laughing at. I think yes. there's probably a fine line. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, in terms of like theater in general is a place where people go to share a common experience, right? And so whether whether it's that you're learning something or experiencing something or laughing at something or whatever it is that you're doing, theater bonds people in a way that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what your skin color is or what your age is or what your profession is. You're all there together to experience this one thing. And yeah. when I do disability theater, it's largely with an entire cast of people with various disabilities. It shows that we've written ourselves, but very high quality shows. We're not, uh, this is not, oh, look at the bunch of cripples on the stage. Oh, are they doing a great thing? And I have been to some of that theater and I find it so atrocious. Yeah. Um, but this is really like empowering theater where we're making statements. We're poking a little bit of fun at our tab friends, but we're also inviting them into our world. And I think that's where the key is. It's like, listen, if I can just invite you in for a minute, you'll see that it's not that scary. Yeah. You'll see that I have developed ways of, 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 coping self-love of empowerment of all of these things and again like i realize that that's you know fairly general generalist because there are some people that live with disabilities that can't get to these places you know like emotionally they can't get to a place where like i'm cool with who i am 
it's, it, it takes a lot of work to get there. It's not so easy. And I don't mean to, to trivialize that. But I think when we're, when we're trying to share with the able-bodied world the fact that we're just human beings like the rest of you. And so what if I stick my finger in my, my cup so that I know, you know, how far I filled my glass with water or tea or whatever it is. Um, that's just the way I do it. I mean, if somebody comes into my house and they go into my shower and they see an elastic band around my shampoo bottle and they go, well, I don't get it. And it's like, well, my shampoo bottle, my conditioner bottle are exactly the same shape. Yes. So how else yes. do I know the difference between the two? Yours yes. says you can read shampoo on yours and I don't. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, and it could be the same for the salt and pepper shaker. So I come up with a way of, of making it, you know, wh- when you're in my house, you'll see these things. But when you watch me in my house, you won't actually know that I don't see. Because mm. it's so second nature to me. And I think that's the beauty. That is the thing, isn't it? My, like, my house is my house. And I can do ev- like This is the thing about the pandemic. Whilst being stuck in the house for vast amounts of time is extremely is extremely heartbreaking i mean i've not seen anybody other than my mom my dad and my sister since uh, well november maybe i don't know like exact dates but it can be extremely tiring and you know i get very down can't get very down about it however the one thing i have realized this was in the middle of the night the other night when I got up to go for pee um was the fact that I've been able to do like I've been able to like go about my daily business without anybody going oh my god you're such an inspiration or oh yeah, yeah. How, you know how do you do that why is that like that and that's because I have been in my own home environment where everything is geared up for me and you can just be and I can just be me can't I and I think yeah. when I go back into the outside world again it's going to be a bit of a we're gonna have to learn to readjust to all those stupid things that people say yeah because you're like gonna go but aren't we gonna go oh not this again this still hasn't gone away. i was gonna say are we are we gonna learn to readjust or are we gonna go we've just lived the past however many months not dealing with this i'm not gonna fucking deal with it anymore maybe that's certainly what i'd like to see is, is, this, is this the new revised policy of disabled behavior <laughs> maybe i don't know um, Vive la revolution! <laughs> but it, I mean, and it, that was quite to me. Yeah, you know, I thought that it was that. That was the kind of. I mean, Monday this Monday, I had an absolute pig of a day, and I just cried all day because I just thought I can't take any more bad news. I'm sick of the same four walls. Do you know what I mean? I got over it. I had, yeah. a, I had a day of crying, and I got over it. It was fine. But then when I realised, actually, I've been able to live my life. For the past however many months it's been completely without anybody going like cheering from the rooftops every time i blink or like pour myself, yeah. make myself a cup of tea and i think actually when i thought about it like that i was like actually that's quite a nice thing to have happened to me liberating yeah even though i have been on my own and nobody has been there to see it like it's been quite a nice experience. one of the things we've been kind of advocating for in canada is um, and, you know, again, I don't know what the, what the British government has done in terms of trying to help people through pandemic and all that. But in Canada, they they created uh, what it's called the CERB. It's the Canadian Emergency Relief Benefit. Right. Um, and so you, you were able to apply for it if you were out of work. And it was two thousand dollars a month, two thousand dollars a month. And so you were eligible for however many months. And I think it went for uh 
six, eight. I mean, like, you know, people were raking in 15, 16, 17, like, like up to, up to $20,000. So what's that like 10 months? Um, but the, the disability benefit uh, for people with disabilities was a thousand dollars roughly a month. And so like, here's the government coming out saying, okay, people, we know that you've lost your jobs. We know you have rents and mortgages and groceries and kids and, you know, the very basic minimum, which of course, $2,000 is still like not really enough to live on for a month, but the very basic minimum that we can provide you, uh, you know, to, 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 to allow you with some kind of quality of life is $2,000. And of course the disability community was like, holy fucking shit. Are yeah. you completely kidding me here that you expect me to live on a thousand dollars a month, including everything, my rent, my groceries, my adaptive equipment, everything, but all the able-bodied people get to get $2,000 a month. And so my hope is, is that, you know, once we come out of pandemic, you know, it's the same thing that, that you've heard for years about employment. And it's like, mm. oh, you know, I live with a disability. Can I work from home? Oh, no, no, no. We're not set up for that. Really? Because the minute the pandemic hit. It's almost like you've said, I want to eat your baby. And they've gone, oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you want to get an education? No, you can't do that from your computer. I'm so sorry. We're not set up for that. And now, you know, we realized how quick and easy it was to pivot yeah. to that. And so, you know, my sincere hope is, is that these gaps that have been identified, and, and let me be clear, I mean identified by tabs in the mainstream population, not by marginalized people, because we have known for eons that these gaps have existed um, and nobody listens. Um, I, I'm hoping that we can see some kind of change there. I, you know, I'm not an optimistic person. And generally speaking, I'm a realist. Um, but I, I, you know, that's my hope for 2021. And maybe moving forward is that we can just be a little bit more um, open about these things, because we've proven that it's doable. Um, and I've been like, I've been a privilege to work from home for the last year. Um, whereas the year before I didn't have employment at all, mm. but now that it was available from home, people are like, Hey, do you want a job? And I was like, Hey, yeah, I can do that from home. I work from home and, um, I have done for the last two years, uh, yeah. coming up for two years. And can I tell you, these people that are, are saying, oh, working from home is really difficult. I find it a real struggle to work from home. I'm like, what? What are, you what are you talking about? I literally roll out of bed, go downstairs, put the kettle on, and I am at work. Like, yeah. as as I can crack on at half past six if you want me to. Do you know what I mean? Finish early. And they're like, it's really hard. This is really hard. It's really difficult. And I'm like, you, are you, do you really want Susan from accounts interrupting you every five minutes to show you pictures of her? Face? You and fucking Lucy's <laughs> got a real thing about this imaginary Susan from accounts. Everybody knows a Susan from accounts is all I'll say. I love it. I love it. I might have to borrow that one. <laughs> Calm down, Susan. Susan um, from accounts, yeah. showing you pictures of her cats. Yeah. When I talk about accessibility with anybody but in my profession as well for it's all about options there is no checklist right this is yeah. check yep uh you know we're providing this in a word document therefore it's accessible check um you know we've got ramps therefore the building's accessible yep you know there is it's about options mm. and opportunity so if somebody wants to work from home give them that opportunity if somebody wants to come into the op office give them that opportunity yeah um that's that's their option 
Yeah, my husband's work, uh, middle of uh, sort of September time when we were starting to open things back up here, they sent an email out to everybody going, you know, who would like to come back into the office? Yeah. And my husband was like, not fucking me. Yeah. <laughs> like, he gets up at four minutes to nine and go, and he's like at his computer ready to work. And that's great. Whereas when he had to drive to work, he was getting up at seven and having to drive for an hour. I yeah. can absolutely understand why a person would want to stay working from home if that was their options. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can understand the opposite, which is I'm dying to get out of these four walls. Mm-hmm. I need some people, even if it's only two other people in the office and we're shouting at each other, you know, across the room and saying hello in the morning. I need that. Yeah, I'm very lucky because my team, even though I work from home, my team, we have meetings and, and my actual, my line manager said to me when I started, oh, thank goodness you live in Birmingham because now I don't have to travel to London. I can just, we can meet in Birmingham because it's in the middle and everybody, um, everybody can sort of congregate in the middle. It's really easy. And we go for cocktails. So we have a marketing meeting and then we have cocktails. Love it. Um, Love it. Which is, I mean, and that for me is enough to make me go, okay. So we do that every like three months or something. I mean. It's it's about meeting everybody's needs and whether those needs are about disability access or they're about you know mental health and self-care and well-being absolutely and i can i just say though i do advocate a cocktail at every staff meeting possible (laughs) helps really really helps food and booze food and booze can i also say that like my that's my line manager and my line manager's manager as well and she's like (laughs) yeah yeah god knows what the sort of stuff i agreed to but uh it's really nice to kind of you know it takes the pressure off a bit as well because we we understand that you know we don't always get to see one another and so we make sure we have a good time whilst we're out and i am always very happy to go for cocktails my uh my work these days probably like both y'all's consists of an awful lot of zoom meetings yeah. an awful lot of zoom meetings <laughs> um, but what i find is interesting is that um, and just the other day we had a, a zoom social and i joined this arts company late i joined during the, the pandemic um and so learning from all of them that you know one of the things that they do is friday afternoon cocktails and they're always partying together and they're always like every time there's a show released on stage they get together and they have a uh, you know, a, a gathering and they're so these people are all really close to each other. But it's so interesting to me how different a Zoom social is from a Zoom work meeting because you yeah. feel like they should all be the same because they're both over Zoom. Um, but it's like it's like these in these social events and, and literally like we had a social event at four o'clock in the afternoon workday is not over till five yeah. thirty, <laughs> so we're all working doing our thing then at four o'clock the social happens and it's like these people have transformed into different human beings yeah. and now all of a sudden it's like yeah you're dropping the f-bombs and you're talking mm-hmm. about this drunken thing you did this one time and then this this chick you slept with and it's like oh my god who are these people uh, but it's so much fun i tell I you do. it is so much fun I do find it kind of being at home sometimes it is a bit harder to get my head into that kind of professional space. I did. um, I do a lot of talking to GPs and consultants and health and like social workers and stuff like that as part of my Uh job. Um, And 
I did, I was talking to somebody and I think they'd called me up out of the blue after I'd left, left them a voicemail like two weeks ago or something. And so I couldn't remember the exact details that I was looking for. And so I was there and I said, oh, it's something, something, something. And then they went, oh, I thought it was. And I went, and I, honest to God, on the phone to a social worker, nearly went, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm talking out my ass, sorry. And I went, oh, no, you are correct. I was misremembering. Oh. But you have to kind of screw that professional head on. I think that's quite hard uh-huh. when you're working from home. Yeah. Um. So you were sort of talking about the arts company that you work for, Amy, and I know that you do a lot of work with uh, vocalize who do uh, theatre descriptions and stuff like that. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, art and theatre and, and your podcast and, you know, accessing art. Gosh, uh, so much to unpack there, Alice. Um, I feel like I'm going on vacation and I get this suitcase. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. I know that that um, you folks have vocal eyes in the UK mm-hmm. um, that, that maybe you're familiar with or some of your listeners are familiar with. And here in Vancouver, we have vocal eye with no S. Okay. Um, and we're we're cousins. We're, we're cousins. Um, we're completely separate entities, with, but we do similar things. And even um, some of your colleagues from vocal eyes um, have during this pandemic, we've we've created something locally here in Vancouver called the Describers Cafe. And so it's people who use description and describers that are getting together to just like continue their professional development around description, the art of description, um, which is, it's such an interesting art form to me because I think what tends to happen is people go to the blind community and say, what do you like in your description? Which is not a bad thing. I, I, I totally believe that the community needs to to have input in that but there also is you know best practices and a framework Mm. in place and conventions just like there is for closed captioning like you know what's the font style what's the font size what's the contrast how many lines per so there's these conventions that are in place for description as well and I find sometimes that when you say to a blind person well what do you like in your description they can give you a whole bunch of information that is maybe very pertinent to them specifically, but not to the community at large. And so you have to be thinking about the larger community and, and what you know people need to hear to actually yeah. have the description translatable to them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's about making sure that you, I, I've said this to my husband before, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's about getting the right information across. Yeah. And it's very challenging. It's not easy. Um, I have the, you know, the same with my, with my family who always want to jump in and describe something that we're watching on television or where we're out in the world. And it's like, oh man, I might as well, like, you might as well just keep your mouth shut because it's not, I'm not, not appreciative. It's just that I don't get a lot of information out of listening to people ramble, right? Like description is put together very purposefully, very concisely very contextual and I think people forget about the context um what's described is often based on context um which is hugely important and bad description can ruin the whole experience oh no doubt about it yeah bad description is worse than having no description yeah um if I'm taken out of the storyline and I have a thousand examples of this happening but when I'm taken out of the storyline Mm-hmm. Or if I'm lost because of something you've said, then I might as well not have been participating the whole time because mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, you're just left behind. So 
a part of what I do with Vocal Eye is, is uh, I'm their community outreach coordinator here in Vancouver. And I bring the blind community together and Vocal Eye, you know, because we're not doing live arts description at the moment, which is what we would have done pre-pandemic, is, uh, is we've pivoted to online art. Um, and so we're, we're watching some streamed things. So a lot of arts companies now have 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 released the streamed video of whatever production they're doing yeah and our our um describers have learned how to audio edit these videos and so now they're embedding the it's it's a huge pivot because otherwise they'd be doing it live Um, but the power of zoom does not allow for a lot of cross chatter Mm. um so you can't really have something playing in the background and then having the describer come in and say you know takes a swig of the whiskey or whatever it is um because it cuts out the sound. So, mm. um, so yeah, so we're doing, we've done, we, we call them uh, virtual watch parties and everybody goes, why are you having a watch party? You're a bunch of blind people. And it's like, um, we've been over this. <laughs> we've been over this. Meanwhile, and, down in a half, you'll find it somewhere. <laughs> that's right. And, and the truth about it is, is that blindness is such a spectrum that, um, you know, you can be legally blind at 20 over 200 and have 10% vision and not be a cane user or a dog user and have decent central. And, you know, so there's such a spectrum of people that, uh, you know, there's, there's probably more people that can still air quotes watch than who can't watch mm. um, just by nature of the way blindness works. So so that's some of the work that I do with Vocal Eye. And every, so every Wednesday night we get together and we we watch uh, some kind of arts things together, whether it's a, a live tour or whether it's a stage production or whatever. Um, and it's always described and we always have Q and A's with whoever the artists are. And so that's great and, and fun stuff. And then um, I, you know, during, also during the pandemic, um, I've done a lot of radio stuff, radio and television stuff with a Canadian media company called Accessible Media Inc. And they have a lot of, all of their content is accessible. Um, It's all all described. It started out, oh gosh, probably 20 years ago, but it was voice print for the blind. So it was the the TV channel where you could, as a blind person, turn it on and they would be reading the newspaper. Um, And now, of course, you know, you can get newspapers on many online platforms that are fairly accessible. And so it became a little redundant. So they turned themselves into a television show and a, and a radio show that you can get through your computer. So I do a weekly movie review. Um, now that I'm at home, it's a Netflix review. Um, <laughs> so we talk about the show and we talk about the description of the show and um, it's just fun stuff, but they were the ones who invited me to do the, to do a podcast, or I should say to pitch a podcast yeah. idea. And so I pitched about uh, what I know best I guess which is the intersection of art and disability um and so I you know I I search the world literally for artists who identify with disability any disability and we talk about their art form and we talk about any adaptations they might make to uh, you know make their art form more accessible to them or to others um we talk to different arts organizations like like a vocal eye or like a, a theater company who's specializing in in the disability aesthetic uh for lots of reasons one is because i feel like there isn't a platform for artists with disabilities to just share what they do um we love what we do as artists and you know it artists in general mainstream artists have a hard time you know putting up exhibits or writing books or whatever their art form is getting noticed and i just wanted people with disabilities to be 
able to share what they do proudly and not in an inspiration porn kind of way. Um, and for other listeners to be able to say, hey, you know what? Um, I never thought about being a, a painter when I was blind. So, you know, if so-and-so is doing this, well, that gives me an idea of how I can do it. Because I think art is one of those things that, um, you know, unless it's immersed in your life, unless you grow up with it, you can't, it's like sports. You could just don't really think about it. It's not for me. Mm. It's not something I do, not something I go to, not something I dabble in. But when you start to hear that, like, I, I call myself an artist of opportunity. So I often find, I often listen to artists and what they're doing and I go, oh yeah, I'd like to try that. How do you and I get together and do a dance show? Or, hey, yeah, I'd like to try sculpting. How do you and I get together and I learn sculpting? Mm. So I think for me, because I like to learn what other people do and then figure out if I can do it, that it might be something that a listener would be interested in, right? Yeah, me too. I love doing stuff like that. Um, it's a it's a great, makes again, makes it very interesting at dinner parties, doesn't it? If you can say, well, I've tried that, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So, Well, and I think, I think art's quite a lot like, like sport and like exercise where every, there is something out there that would be like your exercise that if you did it yes actually you'd love it but you you're yeah. not going to know until you've tried it and I believe art's the same you yeah. know absolutely and I think you know for people with disabilities again generalization I realize this but art was never the thing that um you know I've done a lot of work with blind kids for example and art's never the thing that's like top of mind when you're growing up with a disability, because there are so many other things, right? A lot mm. of it's related to medical, a lot of it's related to learning life skills, to your parents making sure that you're going to have a good education and get a good job. And so a lot of it's not about the extracurricular, which is sometimes art, sometimes sports, whatever. So you could find yourself as, you know, for example, as a blind adult who's never been to the theater mm. uh, of any kind or who's never been to an art gallery or who, who never thought that was for them or that they could access it or any of that stuff. And mm. so I, I have a feeling that for some of us in the disability community, we just weren't sort of immersed into the experience or given the opportunity to be immersed and go, yeah, yeah. it's for me or no, it's not for me. Um, and so a lot of people, I think, in the disability community come to art later in life mm. um, and then have to try and figure out you know, the, the five W's of, you know, how do I do this? Why do I do this? Should I do this? Yeah. How do I pay for this? Can it, can it give me a job? You know, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of things to explore um, in this podcast. And it's a short one. It's a 25 minute ish podcast. I often go over just a little bit. Um, and uh, Compared to us who go over by a lot. <laughs> oh, well, I, listen, if I had the ability to go over a lot, I would totally do it. But I guess for me, the beauty and the curse is that I'm under the umbrella of this media company. So yeah. I have a framework I have to follow yeah, in yeah. order to fulfill my contract, right? Yeah. Um, and so when they Whereas say... me and Lucy are just chatting until somebody tells us to <laughs> shut up and go away. And that's how I would prefer things to be. <laughs> but... Uh, because 25 minutes is not a lot of time to be able to unpack yeah. different things. Could you imagine if we, if somebody said to us, right, I've got 25 minutes, we'd be like, what? We're just going to barely get through the fucking intro. <laughs> that's right. Exactly <laughs> it. We'll just do the intro and that's it. Yeah. So, and, and I do my podcast um, fairly similarly to yours, which is I want it to sound like we're just a couple people having a yeah. cup of tea at a, at a table. 
We're just shooting the shit. We're having a conversation. I don't want to go in there with this huge list of questions, which disengage me from listening to who my guest is. Because you're worried um, about your list of questions going, I've only got 25 minutes and she's only asked, answered one question. You know, yeah. and oftentimes, I don't I don't know if you guys get this from your guests, but my podcast guests are like, so do you have the list of questions you're going to ask me? And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. We're at a point where we're still pretty much just getting like friends and family on so they're mostly like are you gonna stop talking so that i can talk now <laughs> we yeah. haven't quite got to that point of <laughs> awkward silences of professionals who know what they're doing expecting us to ask them reasonable questions yeah the beauty of a 25 minute podcast is i will admit because i've had a few guests who having a conversation with them has been like pulling teeth <laughs> And it doesn't matter how much I laugh or how much I, I, I try and add my questions so that I'm filling space. They reply, they reply with a, yep. And you're like, come on. You know, when we had a conversation about you being a guest on the podcast, we had a conversation. Then all of a sudden you hit the record button and this person doesn't know how to form a sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, you know, uh, it's a little bit easier to fill 25 minutes if you have to pull some teeth i think as yeah. well it doesn't really i mean when i used to do hospital radio there was a red light on the wall so you were very aware of the fact that you were on air whereas we haven't really got a red light in the room where i sit and record the podcast it's just me talking into a microphone until we run out of things to say and i think that helped having the red light on the wall helped if i have to get one and just like <laughs> control like, you I'm need talking. your cue light yeah yeah, yeah. Not to be yeah, I mean, we, we've both commented before that Lucy and I have walked away from recordings and the other people that we live with have gone, did the other person get a fucking word in at all in that whole <laughs> So we can almost do a, like air traffic controller style <laughs> in front of us going, stop, no more, shut your fucking mouth. But it also is what we've pointed out before, how Alice has got a visual impairment. So if I'm like waving my arms about going like, stop, yeah, yeah. she can't see me. So we're going to have to work out some kind of system where it's like, yeah, you I, need, um, I think you need a code word. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say you need like a safe word, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the word. we wouldn't normally use in conversation. <laughs> yeah. So are the bananas ripe these days? <laughs> you know, something. That's what oh, we're gonna have to do. get a bell or something. <laughs> yeah. Or or you're or Alice, you're gonna have to tell your husband to come and like knock on the door after two hours, and then you're like, oh well, that's my that's my dinner warning. Yeah. yeah. My dinner's on the table with a nice glass of wine. Hate to love uh-huh. you and leave you, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I know, but yeah, and that's the thing. You don't want to cut people off in there in there whilst they're in like full flow and you were getting really good stuff but at the same time you're like i feel for our poor editor who's going to edit this down and you're like where do we start where do we where do we go okay thank you very much that's yeah okay thank you yeah i am very glad that um we are a chat show alice and not we're not stuck to time constraints of like 25 minutes it's so much more fun to just you know shoot the shit um, but here's the funny thing. It's like um, I'm getting text messages from other people in my house that say, I'm thinking of making some lunch. You want to have some? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Kind of a <laughs> podcast guest right now. Not sure when this is going to end. And that's no, please, that's no reflection on where we're going in this because it's so much fun. But um, this, this morning when I woke up, I um, sent messages to the other people in my house and I just said, I'm recording this morning. So 
you know, that's the signal to like, please don't turn the music up or no vacuums running or, you know, please organize your life to fit my life for the next couple of hours. (laughs) Selfishly. Um, I wish I could say I have a space that's, you know, uh, like a studio space with padded walls and all that fun stuff, but I don't. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I basically have to tell the other people in my life to shut the fuck up so that I I could have some time. I I shut the door and I put a folded up cardboard box on the other side of the door so that the cat can't scratch at the door. Oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) I mean, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been such a joy to talk to you. This has been really fun, Amy. It's really Really interesting. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anytime you guys want to chat, I am around and we'll make the time difference work for us. Yeah. Yeah, And next time I'm in your area and and I am the, I am the person who's like, I, it's like a threat. The next time I'm in town, I'm going to look you up and we're going to go have some cocktails. Oh yeah. I will actually do this. It may not be for a couple of years, but I will actually do it. So amazing yeah. sounds great and anytime you're in the vancouver area in canada you just let me know when you're coming and we'll we'll treat you to some good times oh exciting okay i shall tell my husband he'll start packing his bag <laughs> <laughs> it's been thank a pleasure my friends i appreciate yes. it thank you very much amy oh um, amy before you go tell everybody where we can find you on the social medias and stuff oh, like sure. that well um if you're looking for the podcast it's called accessing art with amy and it is on any podcast platform. And um, I'm on Facebook. It's Amy Amanti. And it's spelled just like a man drinking tea. A man tea. Um, and, and that's really the best place to find me is on Facebook. And uh, from there, we can connect in all sorts of ways. But those are those are the two places to find me. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you very much, Amy. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, listeners. We'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to The Labelled Podcast. If you like the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You can follow us on social media at Labelled Podcast. Our thanks go to our editor, Adam Hall, our music composer, Maisie Crunden, and our graphic designer, Sarah Coley. We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.